Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport. Two weeks in to the 2017 NFL and fantasy football season, and the madness has not stopped. Leading the NFL in touchdown passes, is it Drew Brees? No. Is it Tom Brady? No. Trevor Simeon with the Denver Broncos with half a dozen. What do you make of these first couple of weeks, David Olivares? Well, it's been a little bit crazy, you know, and um, I think some things that I've noticed is you've got some studs who've really been putting up some, some duds, you know, not meaning to rhyme, but that's the truth of the matter here. And so when I see studs kind of flailing about a little bit, I see opportunity, most importantly, uh, via trade. So that's something we can talk about as we carry on in the show here. But it's been a weird one. You know, you've got some guys that have been – doing what they're supposed to do and and a lot of just weird stuff going on. So as always, it's a very small sample. Don't panic. You know, we're all here to help. So we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's the overriding lesson I've been trying to hammer home, whether it's the start bench column or the IDP stuff that I write at Fantasy Archer. Somewhere in the header of just about everything I've written essentially since the season began was don't freak out over one week or two weeks and panic drop a guy or sell low on an underperforming set because it's nine times out of ten you will regret that decision in a month as one of your opponents is using that player that you traded for 40 cents on the dollar to beat you over the head repeatedly. You wind up with seller's remorse and knots all over your head and that's not fun for anyone. <laughs> Reckon we'll kick things off with a look at the injury report, which contains every tight end in the National Football League that's worth half up to fantasy owners. Rob Gronkowski, Tyler Eifert, Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed, Greg Olson. Hurt, 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 and hurt. Olson out at least two months on injured reserve with a broken foot. So all you folks have spent that early pick on Olson in part because he's been so durable throughout his career. How's that working out for you? Gronkowski pulled groin muscle, was was just watching TV in regards to him, was apparently working out in the part of Patriots practice today that was open to the media, then they shuffled the media off after about 15 minutes, released a report after practice that says he did not practice. I expect him to play, but it's the Patriots, so you never know, have a plan B ready to go. Eifert. I don't know that I expect him to go. He's apparently nursing knee and back injuries, did not practice. Jordan Reed has a chest injury in addition to his foot problem. It's Jordan Reed, so who knows? Jimmy Graham, I believe, has a knee. I don't know. I'm losing track because all of the tight ends are hurt. So, I mean, it was a great week. <clears throat> you know it's going to be a fun week when you're scouring the waiver wire for the likes of Jack Doyle and Ben Watson. And, and thinking to yourself, hey, you know, if I could get Ben Watson and put him in my lineup, I'll be okay. That's how you know it's going to be a oh. great week. DeMarco Murray, hamstring pull, didn't play hardly at all in the second half of last week's win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Between the fact that he's dinged up and how well Derrick Henry played in his stead in the second half of that game, if I'm a DeMarco Murray owner, which I am in a couple leagues, I would be examining other options. Jay Ajay did not practice today. I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think it was just a maintenance day. Sam Bradford limited practice for the Minnesota Vikings, which is great news. Not so much for folks that are rolling Sam Bradford out, but if you're an Adam Thielen owner or a Stephon Diggs owner or a Dalvin Cook owner, we saw what the Minnesota Vikings offense looks like without Bradford against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is not pretty. Randall Cobb. And Jordy Nelson, I don't think either one of those gentlemen practiced today. I wouldn't read too much into it. It's only Wednesday. You're going to want to check those practice reports as the week progresses. And if Cobb and Nelson are sidelined on Sunday, that is going to mean all the targets in the world for Devontae Adams. So he could be in line for a monster game. Odell Beckham practiced in a limited fashion. We saw him back on the field Monday night, kind of. 
it would be nice to get him back at some semblance of 100%, although he's not going to be able to run more than a four-yard route before Eli Manning is murdered. Rob Kelly, nursing a rib injury, practiced in a limited fashion, kind of surprised me a little bit. Sounds like he's trending toward playing against the Oakland Raiders. I don't know how much faith I would put in him as a fantasy start, given I think the Redskins are going to be in their third down formation quite a bit. I look for Chris Thompson to get a bump in touches relative to last week, especially after he turned, I think, half a dozen touches and over 100 total yards and a touchdown. Calvin Benjamin did not practice, which is just fantastic news for the Panthers since Greg Olson's already hurt. I think they're hopeful that he will be able to go this weekend. Otherwise, Devin Funches is a guy that's sitting around on a lot of waiver wires that might be worth a look. Anyone else you can think of off the top of your head, David? Um, no, I think you covered them all. Um, I do want to add a note. I saw a late report right around 4 o'clock that Jordy Nelson did practice today, but Randall Cobb's still out. So, uh, Jordy owners, I would have a backup plan, but don't panic just yet. It, it's trending towards towards playing, but you never know. That's such a killer with Cobb because he looked so good the first couple weeks of the season. It looked like he could be primed for a rebound season. And the folks who got him, because he went pretty late in a lot of drafts, could have – I don't know if you really call Randall Cobb a diamond in the rough, but a real late-round value, a guy that you could maybe by the end of the year could be a wide receiver two that you were able to get as a wide receiver five. So, of course, he gets hurt because we're not allowed to have anything nice. It's a darn shame about Randall Cobb. I mean, he was really coming out strong this year, you know, back-to-back pretty solid games here. And, and then here we go, you know, just, just – that's Randall Cobb for you, you know. Good thing it didn't cost you much on draft day. I can say that. I hope you enjoyed it while it was while it was working, but who knows. Just keep an eye on things and, and have a backup plan, as always. Um, Geronimo Allison is a nice pickup on the waiver wire. Speaking of the waiver wire, you know, uh, our colleague, one of the original Sharks, Doug Coots, I think that's how you pronounce it, if I'm not mistaken, uh, puts out a pretty solid article called Waiver Wire Wonders um, on FantasySharks.com every week, and he's got some good stuff out there. Chris Carson, you know, has been a, a just a smoking hot waiver ad. Um, he's been an ad for a few weeks now, but he finally got his opportunity uh, coming out this this past week here. Ended up hanging, uh, I think, 100 total yards, 93 on the ground, seven through the air. Um, and so he should – I mean, it was San Francisco, so I'm not overly excited about that, but it, it was something, you know, out of the Seattle offense, and we'll talk more about them later. Uh, moving down to Cleveland, uh, Richard Higgins, who was kind of, a, kind of a sleeper last year, you know, he never really had a – a chance to do anything, but he hauled in seven passers for 95 yards, even had a rush. So uh, someone's got to do something in Cleveland there. So, you know, he's, uh, he's worth maybe an ad in a deeper league. Depends on your, uh, your setup here. A guy that I've always kind of liked as, as better of a football player than a fantasy option, but Jermaine curse who came over from Seattle to the New York jets. He ended up hanging two touchdowns on the Raiders this past week. Not a huge stat line as far as the yards go. He only had 65 yards, but two touchdowns counts. I don't expect that um, too much, but I don't expect the Jets to be winning really ever. So garbage time does count, and, hey, we like garbage time. Uh, Looking down at tight ends, you mentioned all those tight end injuries a few minutes ago, Gary. Zach Miller is an option who's proven he can do some things in the past. It's Chicago. Somebody's got to do something somewhere. So, you know, Zach Miller might be worth a stab. I'm going to add one to Mr. Coot's uh, article here. I do like Jack Doyle, you know, now that Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback. I can't believe I just said that. Now that Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback, I like the tight end. <laughs> but but uh, he looked good this past week. Got eight, eight targets. I think he caught them all, somewhere like 78 yards, somewhere in that range. So pretty solid option. Um, if you drafted one of these quarterbacks, like, I don't know, Russell Wilson, Andy Dalton, and you're looking for a quarterback, Trevor Simpson threw four touchdowns last week. That's that's pretty good last I checked. I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's something. That's for sure. I think they picked on Orlando Scandrick being out a little bit. But um, either way, that's impressive, I would say. Um, down, you know, in the deeper area, if you're desperate at, at receiver, New Orleans is always a high-volume passing offense. And uh, Doug mentions uh, Brandon Coleman, who, <laughs> I mean, he was better than Ted Ginn. So, you know, he's got that going for him. But, um I'm not really going that deep outside of the deepest of leagues. Then, of course, you got your Ben Watson, who should be, you know, the beneficiary there. Um, but, you know, he, he did pretty good. Eight catches for 90 yards. I'm not really buying into that just yet. And, um, you know, it, again, it was Cleveland. Cleveland is terrible against the tight end. So, you know, food for thought on that one. 
You're really, really, really deep. Jalen Richard, I think we learned something here with the uh, Oakland game. Um, when Oakland's up big, they're not going to trot out. They're not going to trot out Marshawn Lynch. You know, he's he's up there. He's long in the tooth, as they say down here. And so why why run him out there? I think Lynch might end up being more of a uh, a better football player than a fantasy player this year. He's had back to back, you know, finishes around ten points. I think that can be about what we expect, especially if the Raiders keep hanging up big point totals going forward. So that's what I got on the waiver wire this week. Uh, there's one name I would add there. I really like the Doyle call because it's, like you said, eight catches this past week. I think all the wide receivers on the Colts combined for nine receptions. Doyle had eight. Plus the Colts this weekend draw the aforementioned Cleveland Browns that over the first two weeks of the season have just been ravaged by tight ends. And we're not exactly talking. We're talking about Jesse James, who died in 1882, and Ben Watson. <laughs> and Ben Watson, who may or may not be dead. So they're not getting gashed by Gronkowski. So I would expect Doyle to have another big week. I did setting my waiver claims this week in my leagues. I noticed JJ Nelson was still available in quite a few of those. He's reigning NFC offense player of the week. I think he went for like six one thirty and a touchdown against the Colts this past weekend. Larry Fitzgerald has spent the first two games of the 2017 season on the side of a melt carton. John Brown is still hurt and the Cardinals cannot run the ball to save their lives. Plus, this week, Arizona draws that Dallas secondary that just made Trevor Simeon look like Joe Montana. Yeah, I hear a report that Skandrick's coming back this week, even with his broken hand, so that'll help him out. But they're pretty young back there in that defensive backfield. So uh, they do have some talent, I do believe, but they got some learning to do, and we saw that last week. They got taken to school by Trevor Simeon. Let that sink in. The Denver just flat dominant. I, I mean, I can't say that I was really stunned to see Denver win that game, especially with it being in Denver. Denver's got a phenomenal yeah. defense that's going to keep them in a lot of games. I did not really expect them to take Dallas behind the woodshed, and they they just showed you the blueprint for not just beating the Cowboys with something. Shut down Ezekiel Elliott and make Dak Prescott beat you. Just that simple. That's right. That's right. All right, time for a little panic. Don't panic action. We're now two weeks in instead of now one week. Okay, it's a little easier to be calm, but now we're two weeks in. We've got folks who are underperforming. We've got people who have spent first-round picks, especially on the running back position because there were a lot of big-name running backs who fell flat on their face this past weekend. Give me one star player that we don't want to panic yet. Time for a deep breath. I'm going to say don't panic on A.J. Green. Um, you know, I, I, I'm glad they did something to change things up. I, I think uh, Bill Lazor could could really do something different here. I mean, it can't be much worse than what's been going on in Cincinnati, you know, lately here. And, you know, there's something that fixes things in a passing game. It gets your passing game going, and it's called playing against Green Bay. Green Bay has been terrible against the pass. You watched what they did on Sunday Night Football, national television, um, down in Georgia and Atlanta, I mean they just got torched and and they took the pedal uh, or took the foot off the pedal there. Atlanta did, and uh, you know Ryan still had a nice stat line there. It could have been a lot worse if it was more of a ball game, really. So um, I, I I don't I don't think they're going to win this game by any means. But AJ Green is far too talented to to not be getting the rock over and over again. I mean he's had like a couple of 50 yard games, but um, I think he really gets going this week. I, I do. And um, I think he has a nice stat line this week. I think a lot of people are going to be on him because of the matchup. Um, A.J. Green is my definitely don't panic. And if you own him, don't you dare sell him. That's for sure. Uh, and there could – that's another one where you – I mean, even if the Bengals are down 21 points in the fourth quarter and they're just gripping it and ripping it and playing catch-up and the Green Bay is playing back because they've got a big lead, those fantasy points count as well. There's a prime garbage time candidate. The, yeah, the AJ, he's a great example. If you sell A.J. Green right now, you're not going to get any kind of value back in a trade anyway. You're giving him away for all intents and purposes. And for what? So that a month from now they get – because the Bengals schedule opens up quite a bit after this game against the Green Bay Pay. You'll be kicking yourself just as you would – I had two or three people ask me in the last few days, what's wrong with Le'Veon Bell? Nothing's wrong with Le'Veon Bell. If you want to say something's wrong with Le'Veon Bell, he's rusty. He had essentially no training camp or preseason. 
and it's taking him a little while to get back into a groove. It hasn't really cost the Steelers to this point. They're still 2-0, and so they haven't been put in a position where they really had to overwork him. He's not putting up Le'Veon Bell stat lines yet, but he will. I mean, I, by the end of the season, you'll look back at his numbers over the totality of the year, and they will look fine. Don't for the majority of the high-end running backs. It's just too early in the season to freak out. I know Ezekiel Elliott only had eight yards. I know LaShawn McCoy didn't have much more than that. Just be calm. I know it's hard, especially if your fantasy team is sitting at 0-2 because you're worried that your season is going to get away from you before you have a chance, so you want to try to – but you might be plugging a hole that doesn't even really exist yet. You may be making things worse, a one step forward, two steps back type of situation. But in some cases, you should freak out. You should panic. The case of emergency, break glass, go ahead and break it. What glass needs to be broken, David? Well, um, you should have broke this glass before week one. Um, but T.Y. Hilton, seven catches for 106. There's no there's no luck in sight. You know, Andrew Luck, I don't know when he's going to play. I feel like every Monday morning I wake up and I see Andrew Luck ruled out for week two, for week three, for week infinity. I mean, it's um, it's not a good-looking situation out there. Without Luck, I don't, I don't see the value. If you can get some name value out of T.Y. Hilton, do it. Just do it. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong and luck does come back in a couple of weeks here, but, you know, you don't rule a guy out immediately at the beginning of the week if he's close to playing. So I don't think he's anywhere near coming back. And uh, T.Y. Hilton is someone you should have bailed on a few weeks ago. Can't argue that. So glad that I drafted him in a couple of leagues. I mean, I'm looking at the other receiver because I'm at this point. I don't even know if he's worth rolling out. I'm looking at Marvin Jones and thinking, oh, maybe I'll start him instead because at least he occasionally finds the end zone. Yeah, he does. I can't say I didn't warn. I can't say I didn't warn people before the season. And it's not exactly he's not exactly face planning for the reason that I thought. But Jordan Howard is not exactly lighting up the scoreboards through the first couple weeks of the year. I don't really expect the Bears to get better all of a sudden. And we're seeing as they fall behind, they're bringing Tariq Cohen in. He's had eight receptions, two games in a row, turning into the nice little PPR fantasy option where Jordan Howard is turning into a guy where you're getting two fantasy points a game, which is not great. No. I was afraid of that. I was afraid that he was good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I brought up Jordan Howard in my trade school article earlier this week. It comes out on uh, Tuesday morning. And, and, you know, this is the time of year where I get a lot of the what should I do with blank questions coming across, you know, in, in trade forms and, and email and stuff like that. And uh, Jordan Howard's name is obviously flying up, up there. And you can't do anything with them. You, you own them. Uh, you didn't sell them. You know, selling high after his, his uh, rookie campaign, which how could you know to do so? I mean, it wasn't clear as day that he was a sell. There was a, I think it was a, a split in the industry about what to do with Jordan Howard. But right now, what to do with him is, is nothing. Right now, he's worth pennies on the dollar. He's approaching plug nickel territory as far as his value goes. So you can't do anything with him. Even when he has one big game, it's still going to be seen clear as day as a sell high. You're going to have trouble finding an appropriate suitor that will give you a decent price for him. So um, you just got to bench him. You have no choice but to bench him and hope he gets rolling. It's another situation, as I mentioned earlier, with Zach Miller. Somebody's got to do something. Chicago has to field a team every Sunday except for their bye week. And, um, you know, Jordan Howard's going to be a part of it. So he's going to have to do something at some point. But you're going to probably miss his first decent game uh, on the comeback trail if he does get one going on before you feel comfortable starting him again. Yeah, I agree 100%. Oh, and meanwhile – Cohen has turned into a guy where if you're getting a point for catches, I'd roll him out in the flex spot every week because if he's going to keep getting oh, yeah. seven, eight receptions a game, I mean, he gets seven for 40. There's 11 points right there. Fine. I'll take that out of my flex spot. Especially, Absolutely. I mean, obviously, but you don't have a bunch of great options or you wouldn't be considering starting him to begin with. So, yeah, it's just how we predicted that it would work out before the season. Give me a week three sleeper. Hmm. Try to not go with the low-hanging fruit here. Um, I'm going to say Kirk Cousins. You know, I'm a, I'm a DFS guy. You know that. And so I always look to the line. And they've got a 54-point over-under in that game. That means points are going to be scored by somebody. We don't necessarily know who. Uh, Oakland's favored by three, so we assume Oakland. But um, Oakland, pretty generous against the pass. They uh, finished 2016, I believe, eighth most generous against the pass. And, 
Right now, I think they're seventh most generous against opposing quarterbacks. So um, I think Kirk Cousins could be kind of an under-the-radar sleeper this week. They're kind of due for a breakout. We know Kirk can do it. You know, he slings the rock for 4,000 yards a year the last couple of years here. So he's got it in him. He's got the weapons around him, probably without Jordan Reed this week, which kind of hurts. But he's got good receivers. He's got a good running back catching it out of the backfield now. So uh, Kirk Cousins is my sleeper this week. I'll be locking him in a lot of DFS lineups coming in this Sunday. Now I'm going to go a little bit deeper into deep sleeper territory. I mentioned him in passing a few minutes ago. Devin Funches, wide receiver, Carolina Panthers, had his – I think he had four catches for six – he had four catches for 68 yards in week two, which is his largest yardage total in a game since last week of the 2015 season. With Greg Olson there, he's going to be the, you know, the closest thing they have to that over-the-middle, big-bodied guy. Played a little tight end at the University of Michigan. Plus, this is the best part. This is the part that makes me mention him. This week, the Panthers play the Saints. The Saints are allowing approximately all the passing yards per game ever. <laughs> I think it's sort of around so I think it's like three hundred and ninety just under three hundred and ninety yards a game through two weeks, which is really quite a few. And I think they're allowing about forty six PTR fantasy points a game to the wide receiver position right now. So you look at those wide receivers, you got a nicked up Kelvin Benjamin, you got no Greg Olson. Someone is going to rack up some points. I mean, this is the week I'm sure that the Panthers' offense is looking at this, this matchup with the Saints in Charlotte, as an opportunity to get that offense going a little bit. So I think you could do a lot worse if you're hard up at the wide receiver position than go with Devin Funches. Yeah, I like that. How about a big name guy? uh, Thank you, sir. How about a big name guy that's going to fall flat in week three? Um, Well, my bust this week is Lamar Miller. Patriots are obviously heavily favored in this matchup here. And, uh, you know, he's a volume guy. He's not been good at all. I mean, Patriots are favored by 13, so they're going to be up. There's a good chance they're going to have to abandon the run here. And, I mean, Miller, his stat line, doesn't it almost feel like it's like 20 rushes for 65 yards, somewhere like that? He might, you know, bang one into the end zone if he gets lucky. But um, I could see him falling flat on his face this week doing nothing out there. Um, he's losing snaps as it is to, to various parties. So Lamar Miller is my bust this week. And, and I think he's a primetime sell. You got to get rid of Lamar Miller here. I don't think it's long before he loses his job before the Texans realize like, Hey, he's just a guy, you know, he's not going to get it done. No matter how many touches we give him, he's just going to be that, you know, sub 100 rusher every, every single week, week in and week out. They need to get a little more out of the running game to open up the passing game a little bit, I think. So I'm not starting him anywhere this week. Yeah, I would sell on him if I thought I could get anything for him. But, I mean, (laughs) if there's an upside. I didn't pay a lot for Lamar Miller in any leagues either. I wasn't going to draft him at his ADP. I was getting him, you know, round round and a half lower than his ADP because a lot of us in the fantasy community, and I play in mostly industry leagues, weren't especially high on Lamar Miller entering the season. So he kept falling and falling. And finally I'm like, yeah, what the heck, I'll go ahead. But, yeah, he's – Thankfully, Ezekiel Elliott did not, in fact, get suspended, so Lamar Miller can spend most of the season on my bench where he belongs. Good, good. It's been nice to see Alshon Jeffrey get off to a good start with Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz throwing the ball very well over the first couple games of the 2017 season. I do not like Jeffrey's matchup this weekend with a desperate New York Giants team. Obviously, the problem in New York is not so much the defense as the offense. Janoris Jenkins, to my knowledge, will be back on the field. And Jenkins has shown an affinity <clears throat> for bodying up big physical wide receivers like Jeff Bryant now, Sean Jeffrey. You know, he's not a guy you're going to be able to box out, which is how Jeffrey makes a lot of his hay. I'm not saying he's going to be a terrible start this week. I just don't know that he's going to be an especially good one. That, to me, is really one of the more fascinating games this week because the Giants cannot fall to 0-3 but I don't know how much they're going to be able to stop it. But I could also I could see the Giants go into Philadelphia and beat the Eagles by two touchdowns. The, the NFC East is going to be impossible to figure out this year. I mean, if you know who's going to win the NFC East right now, you should really go place the bet in Vegas because the odds are going to be all over the place for the next 14 weeks. The supposed favorite in Dallas got thumped in Denver over the weekend. The Giants look like they couldn't beat the Jaguars right now. 
the Redskins barely beat the Rams in L.A., and all of a sudden we're, the, you could make the argument that the Eagles are playing the best football any team in the division after – I mean, they lost Kansas City, but they played them pretty well in Kansas City, so there's no shame in that. But it's going to be an interesting – NFC East, AFC West, a couple divisions that are shaping up like dogfights. This week's slate kicks off with a titanic Thursday night battle, the type of game that makes you grateful that they have Thursday night football, the Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. I can't wait. I'm going to DVR <laughs> it so that I can watch it again after it's live. David, Todd Gurley or Carlos Hyde? I'm going Gurley in this game. Um, just because, I, you know, I, I think McVay has really kind of figured out how to use him. I, I recommend selling Gurley last week on the pod, and, you know, I still stand by that just because his, his rushing clip is still pretty abysmal, but they're getting him out in space. You know, McVay realizes, hey, this is the best talent I have on the field by by a pretty significant margin. You know, no, no disrespect to Sammy Watkins, but why don't you do something, Sammy, right? So, you know, they're getting him out in space, and I like the way they're using him. So of the two running backs here, I'd go Gurley. I'm not particularly thrilled about this uh, this game at all, nor – I think anybody outside of uh, any Rams fans, would, where, where are Rams fans now? Are they in L.A. or St. Louis or just kind of in America? I don't even know. Um, or outside of San Francisco are excited about this game. That's the game you want to invest in. Think about streaming a quarterback in this game, don't. Please just leave it be. You know, if you want to play the, the two-game DFS slate, sure, I like minimizing the options. That's a fun game to play, but that's it. Other than that, don't touch these quarterbacks, and I'm leaning Gurley over Hyde. Something people don't realize, too, if you watched that Seattle game with San Francisco last week, 86 of Hyde's 124 yards came on two plays. And, I mean, one of them was where he got the defense kind of bunched up in a little hole on the left, and he cut it back and just beat him around the edge and just kept on running downfield. So, I mean, that's – his stat line was great at the end of the day, but watch the film. It's a little bit different than just looking at the box score each week. I have the same feeling that's going to be the best yarder settle he cranks out all year because in probably eight out of ten leagues he was on the bench because he was playing Seattle. In Seattle, everyone's mm-hmm. like, ah, they're going to bottle hide up. But I know. I don't sure. think I started him in a single league. So, of course, I watched – you know, I'm watching Red Zone, and they cut into the game and show the long run, and I want to throw my remote through the television screen <laughs> and uh, – the joys of fantasy, if you combine checking your fantasy scores with NFL Red Zone, you are almost guaranteed to have a mini stroke by the end of one afternoon. So, of course, I do it 16 weeks a year because I'm a glutton for punishment. We don't just have Thursday night. We don't just have a Thursday nighter between two crappy teams this week. We also have London football, which has all the crisp play of a Thursday night game just on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. God, I hate London. I hate Thursday night games. I hate London games. I hate – I want football to be played on Sunday, except for one game on Monday night, and you play on one Thursday of the year, Thanksgiving. That's the way it should be. But, no, we've got the Baltimore Ravens at the Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you make of Buck Allen, David? Is he the real deal? I mean, now we've got Terrence West nicked up. It looks like Devorius Allen could be essentially the feature back for this one, over 100 yards last week. I mean, can he keep this up? Well, the real deal, no. I can't say he is the real deal because we're fantasy analysts, and um, they're football guys in Baltimore. They're pretty good football guys in Baltimore. And they had him just buried on their depth chart until enough fatalities happened to where they needed him. And so, you know, is, is he a warm body? And, and does he look pretty good out there? Yeah, he does. I'll give him that. But, I mean, Wes is still getting the goal line touches for me. So, I do like Buck Allen in, in some deeper leagues. You know, I play several 14, 16, 18, 32 team leagues, you know, with these crazy deep rosters. And he makes some sense, you know, as a flex play. But I'm never going to really feel good about starting him with Wes banging it on the goal line there. There's a reason they had Wes out front. The reason they still got West getting on the goal line. So uh, they probably know something we don't know. But, yeah, Buck Allen's usable, that's for sure, but never going to feel good about it. And I wouldn't get overly excited. I would put him in a package deal if you can and, and get his value out of your way and get him off your roster and upgrade on one of these guys that's a, that's a buy low right now if you can, if you got someone panicking in your league. That's my play there. 
I'm in a 16-team dynasty with deep enough rosters that I already had Buck Allen rostered and just hadn't got rid of him, even though he was buried <laughs> on the Ravens' depth chart. So that tells you how deep those rosters run. I'm considering with the Marco Murray banged up, I'm probably going to be starting Buck Allen over to Marco Murray this weekend. And I'm seriously considering starting. I'm seriously considering also starting Demarcus Lawrence over JJ Watt because Watt's got the bad finger. He's playing the Patriots, which is not a good pass rush matchup. Demarcus Lawrence has four sacks already this year, and he's going up against an Arizona Cardinals team that gives up all the fantasy points to defensive linemen. So I'm pretty sure that if I do make those decisions, it's a sign of the apocalypse. And, of course, they'll both backfire. Murray will play, and he'll for three short yardage touchdowns. And J.J. Watt will have five sacks and a pick six just to punish me for ever daring to sit him. Another guy that's risen from obscurity – that last week brought back many fond memories for me of Jaguars garbage time. Alan Hearns, was that a one-week thing, or is he a guy you're going to want on your roster if for nothing else than garbage time numbers for the rest of the year? Garbage time counts, and we've seen Hearns do it before, you know. So uh, he, he's been solid in that offense um, in years past. I don't think they do it much this week. Again, you got a 39-and-a-half point over-under. So um, I do think he's legit usable uh, – pretty solid WR3 going forward, I think. Um, you know, just depends on how, how awful that quarterback play can be. But, you know, they, they both, both receivers there in Jacksonville put up decent stat lines this past week. Hearns got the touchdown. Um, just want to mention this. Doesn't it feel like we punish, the, you know, the great uh, country of England over there with the Jaguars every single fall? Is that Am I remembering this correctly? I feel like they're over in Wembley every single fall watching the Jaguars. And that's what they must think over there in Jolly Old. That, that we do for football over here. We just trot out the Jaguars and score 17 points in a game, and this is what we do for fun. I don't know. We need to send some real teams if we're going to send some teams over there and try to grow this market. I don't know what they're doing with it, but the Jaguars ain't going to cut it. we got to give them a real team sometime. This is the third or fourth consecutive year, I believe, that the Jaguars have played in England. Shad Khan, the gentleman that owns the Jaguars, also owns the Premier League team Arsenal. And honestly, I believe their long game is potentially the idea of an NFL franchise in London with that team being the aforementioned Jacksonville Jaguars. Because no one in Jacksonville cares about them. Although I think, don't get me wrong, I think the idea of an NFL franchise in London is just a disaster waiting to happen. The logistics of it would be impossible. But, yeah, it's been at least three or four. I think this is the second straight year the Ravens have played over there which I don't know why these teams agree to that nonsense. I wouldn't. Man, this this slate just gets better and better, folks. For, okay, we've got Thursday night. Then we've got London Crud at 9.30 in the morning. And then to kick off the 1 o'clock games, batting down the hatches, Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts, in the game of, hey, someone's got to win. Isaiah Crowell talked to Hugh Jackson today, said he wants more touches. Is this finally the week he breaks out, or are people that look at him as an RB2 just out of luck? I mean, it, it could be. It's got to happen eventually, right? I mean, everyone was so high on Crow coming into the season, weren't they? I mean, he was just the hottest topic. His ADP was soaring, I mean, all summer long. And, um, you know, I, I don't fault people for thinking that way. This This is the matchup where it should happen, right? I mean, you look at the Colts, there's nothing scary over there. They don't have Jarrell Freeman. So, um, yeah, it could happen. I actually prefer Gore in this game, though, just historically looking at at the Browns' rush defense. Um, He got, quote-unquote, going last week by scoring a touchdown. And, again, same deal as as with some of these other bum teams around here like Chicago. Someone's got to do something, right? And Gore is a pretty solid football player. You know, he makes a lot of sense. I think he could get in for a touchdown in this one. So, if I'm picking one, I'm picking Gore. But I could see Crowell possibly get going here. But those are about the only two people you want to start in this game, aside from Jack Doyle. Am I right? Oh, yeah. And the, the Browns are a road favorite here. I think it's the first time since 2015 they've been a road favorite at all. And if you look at their schedule, their next three games, they've got the Colts. I forget. They in between, and then they play the Jets. I mean, it would not, it's not inconceivable that three weeks from now we could be looking at the Cleveland Browns at three and two, which would give fans like me 
just a glimmer of hope before reality sets back in and they get hammered for the rest of the season. So you've got that to look forward to, Cleveland fans. Plus, I mean, we're looking – this is essentially – it's week three, and this is a battle for draft position. That's how the season is going for the Cleveland Browns and Indianapolis Colts. And if the Colts get the number one pick, what do they do? Mm. You know, I, have, I haven't even looked ahead. I haven't looked ahead to uh, to the college players. I'm too too ingrained trying to figure out what the heck's going on with the NFL right now. But uh, again, this game, forty and a half point over under, not super investable. If you gotta flex somebody, or if you're streaming tight end after your tight end went down, you got your two running backs, Crowell. You got Gore, and you got uh, Jack Doyle. The rest, just forget about it. Stay away. Oh yeah, you gotta be a special kind of crazy to start a wide receiver in that game. <laughs> You need medication. Okay, the NFC East battle that I mentioned a few minutes ago, New York Giants at Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, between the two quarterbacks, it's an easy call, isn't it? you got to go with Carson Wentz. Yeah, I think you do. The thing about Eli is you've seen him do it before. He's had big games before, and you know Eli is kind of like that jack-in-the-box. He can just pop up and, and just have an awesome game out of nowhere. But I don't really see that happening here uh, with this matchup. So, yeah, Wentz is the clear-cut favorite here. Now, Gary, if you had to start a running back in this game, like you had to, you know, gun to your head, who's it going to be? <laughs> oh, wow. It's guy. It's between Sproles and Vereen it would have to be because at least then you get a little, assuming PPR, you get a few catches. I guess Sproles. Yeah, you know, he got involved yeah. a little bit in the offense last week. Vereen stood up. I want to say he's been, and it's been pretty consistent for coverage, 10, 11 points in each week, which is all coming on our side. You can't, there's no way you can go anywhere near LeGarrette Blount or Wendell Smallwood or Paul Perkins. or They're just, they're, to say they're not doing anything would be kind. It's LeGarrette Blount, the most successful thing he's done so far this season is get into a Twitter beef with a fantasy guy who was complaining because LeGarrette Blount was doing nothing for him. <laughs> that's his, that's the oh, high God. water point for Blount this season. Which yeah, he did, he did catch a touchdown. Don't forget about his receiving touchdown now. He'll never do that again. So he needs to get that ball. He needs to bronze it and save it and create a trophy out of it because that's never going to happen again. One, it is exceedingly distasteful to blast a player on Twitter because they did not score points for your fantasy team. That's not their job. Two, it's equally distasteful for the player to then turn around and blast back at the fan because don't you guys have anything better to do? And if you're going to do it, at least pull Kevin Durant and come up with a ghost account. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, LeBlanc Garrett, and then blast the guy that way. Put a little creativity into it, a little effort. Just make sure yeah. that when you're tweeting from your ghost account that you don't accidentally post that on your real account because then you get busted. And everyone spends Bad. the rest of the week laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feed the trolls. <laughs> We're five games into the slate so far, and we've, so we've got nothing so far. It's going to be a fun <laughs> game, fun week to watch on television. Miami Dolphins at the corpse of the New York Jets. <laughs> yeah, great game. Everyone figured this was going to be – this is Devontae Parker's season. And he had a good week last week. I think he caught like four passes for 90-something on yards. But Cutler, in PPR leagues, it was the Jarvis Landry show, just target, 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 target. Can Jarvis Landry keep that up? Did people maybe overestimate the negative impact Jay Cutler could have on Jarvis Landry this year? Yeah, I think they did, myself included, because, of course, I, I was on Devontae Parker like everyone else was, of course. I'm not trying to take credit for that, but – uh, you forget Landry's a, a damn good football player. And um, if you look at his stat line, I think I, I tweeted it out too. It was really bizarre. At one point he had something like, I don't know, eight or nine receptions for 30 yards. I mean, these were just little bitty receptions. He was just moving the ball, moving the chains, you know, matriculating down the field here. I think they both are going to have some excellent value going forward, um, just in different roles. And that was to be expected here. And after seeing what Crabtree I uh, did to these Jets last week. I really am excited about Devontae. I'm calling it now. I think this is Devontae's breakout week. And uh, I don't think he's going to be a sell high. I think he's going to be, you know, one of those excellent, excellent wide receivers. Top 15 for sure. If he can hit this one here, get a couple of scores. 
Um, Crabtree scored – we'll cover this game here in a little bit, but he scored two of those in the red zone, which was awesome. That's what he, where he made his bones last year. And I could see Devontae being that big red zone target uh, this Sunday for Jay Cutler. So I like them both, but I do think uh, Landry has a legit role in this offense if uh, last weekend was any indication of what we can expect going forward. Yeah, if Parker, for me to sell high on Parker, it would have to be a pretty good tactics because I'm right there with you. I expect good things from him this yeah. year. And it's, the point of selling high isn't necessarily to as soon as a young player you think is set for a big season to turn around and sell him to get a little bit of a return. Now, you want to sell high on guys that you don't expect to keep that up over the course of the year. If you think the guy's going to keep it up the whole rest of the way, why would you want to get rid of him? You don't. Exactly. Those are the guys you want. It's the guys you think are going to have that one huge game and then never be heard from again. Do you want to try to pawn off on someone else? Although usually, like you mentioned with Jordan Howard, we're going to need – you need like a two- or three-game stretch out of Jordan Howard where he's putting up 100 total yards and finding the end zone. Then maybe you can get someone to believe that that's the beginning of a trend and not just a two- or three-week stretch of goofy matchups or whatever. <clears throat> Jermaine Curse, you mentioned him as a waiver pickup. Similar to Alan Hearns, is this a guy who's going to earn a roster spot this year for no other reason than garbage time? Right now he's leading the Jets in receptions and yards. Yeah, I, I do like him in deeper leagues. Um, you know, he's not someone I'm going to be starting in most of my, you know, normal 12-team leagues. But if you got one of those big ones, 14, 16-team, you know, he's he's got value there. Someone's got to catch the ball for the Jets. You know, it's one of those situations where it's a bad team and someone's got to do something and they're going to have a lot of garbage time. So, you know, I'm not I'm not super excited about investing into them, but they're a six-point dog again this week. They should be down. They should be throwing. I won't be surprised if he gets another score. You know, he's proven he can do it. He was valuable uh, in certain types of leagues. You know, I have an industry league where we start six to seven wide receivers um, that Mike Clay set up for us, and uh, I started him a couple of years ago when he was with Seattle, and he, he was serviceable. That's kind of the word for him, I think, serviceable. But don't count on him. It just depends on the league, really. And I will say this. If you're the kind of person who likes to stream team defenses, uh, the Miami Dolphins should be on your list for this week. Just fill in the blank versus the Jets. should be on your list every week. I think the Jets are I think they're 30th in total offense. They're like 28th in Passing offense, 26th, 27th in rushing offense. They're 20th in scoring right now, but that was garbage time against the Raiders last it's, it's They're horrible, and it's not going to get better. Because at some point, Josh McCown's going to get hurt, and then you're going to have either Bryce Petty or Christian Suckenberg at quarterback, and then things are really going to get fun for Gang Green. They'll figure out a way to screw up the number one overall pick, though, because it's the Jets. Gary, and I, screwing I got a up is what they do. I, I got to point something out while we're on the Jets. You mentioned Josh McCown, and uh, depending on your scoring format, but I think he's one point behind Russell Wilson in a lot of scoring formats. Josh McCown of the Jets, one point behind Russell Wilson. We'll talk more about the Seahawks in a minute, but I just had to bring that up about Josh McCown and Russell Wilson. That's how bad it's gotten in Seattle, but we'll get there too. Oh, two QB league. I've got Tom Brady. I figured Tom Brady or Russell Wilson, I'm going to be set. I'm going to do some damage. I don't think there's any real decision for me to make. I'm rolling out Carson Wentz over Russell Wilson this week until I see something. Absolutely. I, yeah, it's just their offensive line is offensive. Denver Broncos at Buffalo Bills, the surging Broncos away from the friendly confines of Mile High for the first game this season, making the East Coast trip. Could we be looking at another slow day for Shady McCoy after the Broncos successfully stymied Ezekiel Elliott? I, I think it's likely. Um, they, you know, the Denver defense obviously is the Denver defense. Everyone knows that name, and they shudder when they hear it when they got to go to Denver, right? Um, and this is at Buffalo, so they got that going for them. If Shady's gonna gonna make his way this weekend, it's gonna be through the air. Uh, they just shut down uh, Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott on the ground. But Melvin caught five for 25 and a touchdown in week one. So there's some hope there. And Shady's a special talent. So maybe, I guess, would be the answer to that. But, again, if he's going to make his bones, it's going to be through the passing game, not on the ground, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, these are guys you can't really sit in. But it's just temper expectations and know that the Bills play in the AFC, so the matchups aren't going to be that rough every week because you got four, you got two against the Jets, two against the Dolphins. You can be had. And and then there's those two against the Patriots, so maybe the matchups will say that. But you knew that going in. 
New Orleans yep. Saints, the 2-0 Carolina Panthers, which is, might be the least impressive of all the 2-0 teams. Defense is playing lights out. Offense, not so much. The Saints, in that supposedly more balanced offense, that running game they were going to establish, I, I take it all their running backs are on 10-foot pole list at this point. I'm sorry, what was the question, Gary? The Saints running backs, any of them that you would have any interest in starting. Oh, yeah, no, 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 sorry. My, my uh, mic broke up there. Yeah, it. Um, I'm not touching this, not in this matchup, that's for sure. I mean, Carolina's been pretty darn good against the run so far this year. If anybody, it'd be Kamara, but I thought Kamara was going to have a good week last week, and they, it didn't happen. I, I don't know if New Orleans is going to realize that he's their most effective weapon until Drew Brees is in Jacksonville next year. I don't know. Just speculating, but still, not touching that. Really, if I can avoid it, um, I do like I do like McCaffrey in this game. Uh, you look what James White just did to him last week, and uh, McCaffrey's getting twice as many snaps right now as Jay Stu. Um, I think what they need to do is look around the league and look at what's happening with these running backs. If you're not successful up in the middle, get them out in space. And McCaffrey's the kind of guy that needs to get out in space. I think he can do some special things if he can just shake loose, and hopefully they'll get that going, especially with Olsen out this week. They're going to have to look elsewhere with some of these targets. I do think that Funchess is the biggest beneficiary here, but I think McCaffrey could be a solid start this week. And kind of, um, I don't know if this really counts, but I'm going to call him like a post-hype week three sleeper, right? Because everyone loved him coming into the season. They've cooled off on him a little bit. But this could be the game where McCaffrey really gets going. Do you think this is a game that Cam Newton gets healthy even with Olsen out for the Panthers? I, I think he does, yeah. Just looking at looking at New Orleans, uh, he's let us down before against New Orleans. You know, you always see that juicy matchup and you start all your your Panthers and then, you know, somehow they let you down sometimes. So um, if he's going to get it going, this is the game to get it going. It's the time. We've got two games under our belt. Everyone's warm. If they're not warm, they're hurt, and they're at home and they're warm. But um, this should be the game. Start your Panthers in this game. And if we're wrong, then so be it. Pittsburgh at Chicago, I think we can just break that one down into start your Steelers, sit your Bears, which is going to be the running theme throughout the rest of the season with the Bears. Atlanta Falcons mm-hmm. at Detroit Lions. It's been a pretty quiet start to the year for Julio Jones. Any cause for concern? No, he's Julio Jones. Detroit is historically pretty bad against the pass. So um, if Julio scores in this one, everyone will calm down. But, you know, he was having a decent game on Sunday night. They just didn't need him down the stretch. You know, they were up big, and, and they were just kind of salting away a little bit. They were still passing a little bit, but uh, not a ton. So um, don't panic on Julio. It's it's entirely too early. He had 108 receiving yards last, uh, last weekend there on nine targets, caught five of those. So, yeah, if he hits Pater this week, everyone will be singing his praise once again. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Minnesota Vikings. And he, now that we've got Sam Bradford back, this game opens up quite a bit as far as the fantasy options available. Anyone that stands out to you as a potential value? It, you know, it all depends on if Bradford plays, um, really. So, you know, that's something I'm just kind of watching. If Bradford plays, you got to start Diggs. you got to start Thalen. Um you know, the Bucks. the Bucks gave up 31 passing touchdowns, uh, or excuse me, I can't read my own notes here. Either way, I don't think the Bucks are too scary, and that really comes down to Bradford starting there. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, obviously you're starting Mike Evans, but I would assume Evans will draw Xavier Rhodes all day in this game. So I, not to say Mike Evans won't get his, but I think it might be a bit of a slow night by his standards. However, if you got Trey Wayne, if that means Trey Wayne's is on Deshaun Jackson, it could be a big game for DJX because Trey Wayne's is so bad. I don't know whether to call him toast because he gets burned all the time or just call him the flag. Because it seems like on any route more than 30 yards, he's grabbing something. He's going to grab your jersey, grab your dreadlocks, grab your pants. If there were flags <laughs> on your hips, he would grab those two. Because for some reason, his idea of pass coverage is to watch the guy run past him and then realize, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be covering that guy, and then try to catch up, and then at the last second grab the guy because he knows he's about to get burnt. Now, I don't know if that will work with Deshaun Jackson because D-Jax runs pretty fast. So if you let him get past you by the time you realize what's happening, Jackson's apt to be standing in the end zone doing a little dance. So it could be a good day, 
good game for DJX. I think this might be the game that he gets right. Jaquiz Rogers had a pretty good game against the Bears. I don't know that I would count on that against the Minnesota Vikings. They are not the easiest team in the NFL to run against. Plus, it's at U.S. Bank Stadium, which can be a pretty hostile environment. Houston Texans, New England Patriots, Brandon Cooks or DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, Give me uh, Hopkins in this game. Again, uh, Patriots are heavy favorites. I expect Houston to be down and passing, uh, passing well is another matter, but passing nonetheless. Hopkins also leads the NFL in targets right now with 29. So um, Cook's going to be sporadic. You know, we saw it last week. So you never know when to use any of these Patriots. I said it in the preseason, the Patriots you want to own the most is Tom Brady because other than that, it's just a, a roulette wheel. You never know who's going to go off each week. It could be three different guys, but it might not be your guy. So Hopkins has the more dedicated role in that offense for Houston and he's getting a ton, a ton of work, a ton of looks. So that's the guy for me, no doubt about it. I know you're not a big fan of Lamar Miller. Mike Gillisley has, I believe, four rushing touchdowns over the first two weeks of 2017. I take it you would rather have Gillisley than Lamar? Yeah, four rushing touchdowns is pretty good over two weeks. I think I'll take Gilly here um, in a grinded-out kind of game. Second half, I'll probably get a lot of carries. So that's a no-brainer for me. Seattle Seahawks at the Tennessee Titans in one of week three's more interesting games. Titans looked pretty flat at home in week one against the Oakland Raiders, then flattened the Jacksonville Jaguars in week two. Now they get the Seahawks once again. We're in Nashville. How bad is the Seattle offense? It's it's really bad. I mean, they're they're you know twenty fourth in total offense. I think they're averaging like one hundred and fifty passing yards per game. A buck ten on the ground per game is their average, and they're scoring about ten points a game. So, um, I I think it all comes down to that offensive line. Russell Wilson's out there running for his life. Uh, you got this this rotating hodgepodge of nonsense in the backfield. Although I think Chris Carson gives him a glimmer of hope. I'm not uh, selling the farm to get him or uh, going too crazy over him. A lot of questions about Chris Carson's trade value this past week too. Um, to be determined is really what it comes down to. But that offense. It just stinks. I mean, it's just – I don't know what they got to do to fix it or if it can be fixed, but they got to figure something out. I don't know that it's going to get a whole lot easier for them this week. The Tennessee Titans, at least last season and to this point this season, have not been an especially easy team to run the ball against. They have some pass rushers in Brian Arakpo, Derek Morgan, Jarrell Casey. I think they're going to be able to put pressure on Russell Wilson. I – wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee wins this game. That's not Seattle's still going to win the NFC West. I don't see any way, even now that that doesn't happen. I mean, they could win ten and six. Is probably going to win that division. And it wouldn't be the first time that we're sitting here in September saying, "What's wrong with Seattle? What's wrong with September? What's wrong with Seattle? What's wrong with Seattle?" And then by November, they've peeled off six wins in a row, and nothing's wrong with Seattle. But that's exactly and that right. game last deja vu. Right, but I expected them to get right at least to an extent last week against San Francisco 49ers, and they did not. I mean, you're trailing 9-6. to Yeah, it's the Niners. You expect (laughs) huge things out of everybody on that offense, and it just just never got going. It just never happened. And that's when you see that, that's what alarms me. But, again, I feel like we've had this rhetoric before, you know, right at the beginning of the season. They're just kind of stinking. They're not doing anything right. And then, lo and behold, when the snow is falling on the ground, they're playing good football. Who who knows? I don't know. They figure it out, though. Is it crazy to say at this point through – I mean, it's early. We've only played two games. They're right now the Atlanta Falcons look like clearly the best team in the NFC. No, I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, you know, Green Bay can't stop anybody, that's for sure. But um, they just look awesome out there. Um, I think uh, Vic Beasley being out is not a good thing, but – um, that, you know, good teams find ways to figure it out and, and, and win ball games. So they've got someone waiting in the wings that can fill the void in the meantime. So, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, the AFC, the AFC certainly appears to be the deeper conference this year. I mean, you've got three undefeated teams in one division. The NFC right now, I mean, and I didn't necessarily expect to be saying, but all the talk of the Super Bowl hangover and how would the Falcons deal with that and so on and so forth. Yeah, they seem to be dealing with it all right when they were smacking Green Bay upside the head last Sunday night. <laughs> speaking yeah. of the aforementioned, speaking of the aforementioned slapped Packers and a 
get-right game, so to speak. Cincinnati Bengals at Lambeau Field. I know you yeah, mentioned Geronimo is, uh, Allen. Go ahead. Yeah, Geronimo Allison Break is, it down. is your, is your – he's kind of your emergency guy. You know, Jordy's practicing, allegedly. We're going to see what develops with that. It's only Wednesday, so – um, but it's something to definitely keep an eye on. Um, he's your handcuff for Cobb or Jordy. So if either one of them sit, uh, Jerome Allison had 61 snaps last week when Jordy went out with that. that. That's such a scary thing to see a non-contact injury, and then you see your, your player up there waving to be taken off the field. That's just awful. I own Jordy in a lot of places for the record. So did not care for that. He crushed a lot of my DraftKings lineups too. So that's okay. I did not tweet at him though because you don't do that. That's in poor taste, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so so this game for me is um, it, it, it's showtime. This is like the Super Bowl for the Bengals right now, right? They got to get it right. They fired their offense coordinator. You know, they, they bumped up their quarterbacks, Coach Lazor, who they did good. He made Lamar Miller a 1,000-yard rusher in Miami a few years ago. So um, he's got the chops. He can get something going. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping beyond – a shadow of a doubt that they see that Mixon is the guy that needs to be getting the rock in this game and, uh, and, and give it to him. And, and you know what, let's not be crazy. Give it to him in space too. you know, get him out there, mix it up, throw him some, you know, little dump off passes, stuff like that. Get the ball into your playmaker's hands, AJ green. You know, I think he has a big week just because of the matchup here, because you've got a desperate Bengals team with their back against the wall. They've got to win. They've changed up the offense a bit here. Hopefully we'll see what happens. They're not going to reinvent the wheel in what, you know, a week in, in that amount of time to plan for this game, obviously. But they can go back to the wheel that was working for them previously. They can throw the ball to A.J. Green. They can stop mixing in three running backs and go with the guy that's getting it done, bench Jeremy Hill, get him out of the way, and stop wasting touches on him. They're not wasting a ton on him right now, by the way. I think Cincinnati's going to lose it in this game anyway, but I think they're going to put up more of a fight than people think. So, um, I, I think there's some kind of sneaky plays on this offense. Obviously, if you own A.J. Green, you're playing him. Um, mix in if you're desperate. You can flex him maybe and see. Same with Gio Bernard because you don't know what they're going to do. They might stick with what's been kind of working. He's been effective with his touches. I'll give him that. But um, make a break game for Cincinnati right here, and it's against a great, soft Green Bay defense. So they're in a good spot to put up some points for sure. I kind of like Gio this week as a deep sleeper type opponent because I expect the Bengals to be behind. Maybe yeah. you're in your hurry up slash third down offense, which would have Bernard on the field. And I still I think Gio should have a role on offense moving forward. He's your third down back. But I could could not agree with you more on this whole mix and hill two headed. It's it, it's not working at all. No. And it certainly doesn't help that it looks like they're not going to have Eifert this week. And it's there's been a lot of talk here in Columbus. There are a lot of Bengals fans here, obviously, of A.J. McCarron, and should we see A.J. McCarron this week? Even if you decide that you want to make the switch a quarterback, I would not do it at Lambeau Field because like Cincinnati's no. schedule softens up quite a bit after this game. So just get through this game. I mean, arguably, because they were talking about it earlier on Sports Talk Radio here today, even if the Bengals lose this game and fall to 0-3, their schedule softens up to the extent that by the eighth week of the season, it's not inconceivable that the Bengals could be 4 and and if you're sitting at four and four, eight weeks in, then that's about as good as you can hope for, given that you're two weeks in and haven't scored a touchdown yet. There's your, there's plan one, end zone, just once. <laughs> I don't care just how. Just once, anybody, anyway, fullback, somebody yeah. score, please. <laughs> a pass to A.J. Green would be preferable because some of us spent a first-round pick on him and were angry. <laughs> He's surging Kansas City Chiefs at a Los Angeles Chargers team that finds a new way to lose every week. Kareem Hunt or Melvin Gordon? Um, well, I don't know how I could possibly pick Gordon over Hunt. I want to because, you know, I see what, um, I see what Mike Gillisley did to, um, uh, did to Kansas City early on week one there in that opening night Thursday nighter, uh, banging in three touchdowns early, and you just, like, you just envision that, and that could be amazing, right? But you know, there's no way I could take anybody over Kareem Hunt right now. And, and maybe Le'Veon Bell, I suppose, even as bad as he's playing. You know, I think he's got a good matchup against Chicago this week. But um, Hunt for me, because they're just going to find ways to just feed him. It's that, it's that system. It's that Andy Reid system. And Hunt is a pretty darn good athlete. So 
taking hunt over Gordon here. I uh, know someone who, hunt owner, obviously very happy, but they had an excellent depth at running back. Hurting a quarterback because they're an Andrew Luck owner that slipped hunt mm. for Aaron Rodgers. That's selling high. Now, granted, Hunt may go on to have a phenomenal season, but if you've got depth at the position and you can get, you know, the best fantasy quarterback in the game, those are the kind of sell highs you should be shooting for. And even then, he was torn because I think Hunt's going to have a great year. But his other running, I think Gordon was one of his backs, and I forget the other two, but he was a solid four deep at running back even without Hunt. So if you can plug a hole, and of course the guy you're trading with is going to want that one guy that you don't want to give up very rarely and you make that yeah you don't usually get offered that third guy and they say yeah at least not this early in the season now sometimes 10 11 weeks in you got someone trying to claw their way toward a playoff spot you get them good and desperate that's a different story but it's still early now people still have hope oakland raiders washington redskins michael crabtree had a huge Week two, Crabtree or Cooper? I'm going Crabtree. I was on Crabtree in the preseason, like a lot of us were, um, just because for the the better ADP uh, value pick there. Um, and and you know this week, this past week, they got back to what works for them. Crabtree caught three touchdowns, one from the two yard line, one from the one yard line, and one from 26 yards out. Now 26 is not technically in the red zone, but that's red zone esque, right? And that's like the baby red zone. So it's I mean, I'm counting that as two and a half. Yeah, right. Two and a half red zone uh, touchdowns for me uh, in my book for Crabtree. So I like Crabtree. I want touchdowns. There's six points a pop plus the reception plus the yardage. So Crabtree for me over Cooper. But I mean, how can you not like them both in this game? This one has the highest over under of the week, 54 points. Uh, Oakland is favored by a field goal, so not a big difference there. But um, you know, I, I do like uh, I do like Crabtree greater here. My only concern with Crabtree is that unless they do some moving him around the formation, I think he'll draw Josh Norman in coverage. So I think I could make the sledding a little tougher. But we, so we told you folks all summer long that Crabtree was a much better value than Murray Cooper because he was, and he demonstrated it last week. I'd, Derek Carr is more comfortable with Crabtree than he is with, especially once you get into the red zone. I mean, he knows that Crabtree's not going to mess around and drop the ball, which Murray Cooper has a habit of doing. So, not to say Cooper won't go on and have a very nice season, but it would not surprise me one bit if Michael Crabtree outpoints him just as he did in 2016. Final game of the week, Dallas Cowboys at the Arizona Cardinals. Battle of two wide receivers who have spent the first couple weeks of the season on the missing persons list. Des Bryant or Larry Fitzgerald? I'm going to go Des here. Um, he's second in the league with 25 targets. And you mentioned earlier the formula that uh, Denver laid out for beating Dallas is just crush that run and force Dak to beat you with his arm. And so I think the opportunity is going to be there. Um, that Arizona secondary has got some, some real talent, though. That's my only concern about it. So on the flip side of the coin, I do like Fitz if Orlando Skandrick sits again. It sounds like he's going to play, as I mentioned, even if he's got a club on his hand. But, you know, they move Fitz around. He does run out a lot out of the slot. So I'm not sure exactly who plays a slot in uh, in Dallas, but I imagine he'll get some Jordan Lewis. Who was a, he was a good corner in, in college at Michigan. But um, NFL is a little bit different than uh, the Big Ten, that's for sure. So um, I kind of like them both, but if I had to pick one, i go Dez just for the volume here. And maybe he gets lucky, gets a touchdown, but – Again, you know, you got Patrick Peterson back there. You've got um, Honey Badger back there. So that's not exactly a soft secondary in Arizona. Right, and the Cardinals are a team that will use their top corner to shadow another team's top receiver. So I would assume Peterson will spend quite a bit of the evening in Dez's back pocket. Plus, like you said, they've got Matthew that can give help over the top, and my guess is they will do so. I don't know that they're overly concerned about the other receivers, although we could see Matthew also spend a fair amount of time with Jason Witten, who is off to a hot start in 2017 relative to what he, I think he's already got as many touchdowns as he had all last season. Does Ezekiel Elliott bounce back this week? Again, I think it's a situation where if he's going to do it, he's going to have to do it in the air. Um, if you look at uh, the past two opponents for the Cardinals, you know, they – they held him to like 51 and 54 rushing yards, but now it was Detroit and Indianapolis. So 
not exactly your powerhouses on the ground. But even still, you know, that stat does exist. And so they said they're going to get Zeke involved in the passing game. They did so in week one. I think if they get back to that, they'll have more success, and they're going to have to get creative here because, uh, like I said earlier, I think Arizona is going to just try to shut down that run, so they're going to have to swing it out to him, and it's going to have to be by air if he's going to have some success this weekend. Before we call it a night, give the folks out there one sneaky DFS play that ought to be in their lineups this week. Sneaky DFS. Man, oh, man. Um, I try to identify where I can save the most money. And and this week, i got to say it's Jared Cook. You know, if you look at that matchup there, um, you know, with the Washington Redskins, I've gone back and watched the film on the Redskins. I don't know, and I brought it up last week, and I'll do it again, and I'll do it every week until it stops working. I don't know who coaches them on how to cover a tight end, but it's like they don't see him. He's the biggest guy out there running out looking for uh, for receptions, and it's like they don't even know he's on the field. These tight ends just run wide open. So I can see Jared Cook having a big game. Again, it's a game you want to have uh, some chips on with a 54-point over-under. Jared Cook, he's dirt cheap in DFS formats this week. So that is – that's my lock of the week right there at tight end. They've got a ton of injuries on that Washington defense right now. If the Shays or wherever it can't go, they'll be on their third string strong safety given what happened with Sue Cravens. Mason Foster, I just read earlier today, has been more or less ruled out. He went to get a second opinion on his separated shoulder, which I think that doctor can tell him, yeah, you have separated shoulders. So I don't expect him to play, <laughs> which means Will Compton would fill in for him. Will Compton very savvy linebacker, was the defensive play caller for the Redskins last year. But the big thing with Will Compton, the reason he was sitting on the bench for the first two games of the year, is he is a liability in coverage. So you could well be on to something there. <clears throat> that will do it for the week three preview, folks. As always, sir, I thank you for your time. My pleasure, Gary. Thanks for having me again. And we will see you folks next week. If you're 0-2, may you go 1-2. If you're 2-0, let's make it three in a row. Good luck, everyone.